Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina P. <laughs> so stupid. Thank you for downloading uh, this very special episode. I have Sam Tripoli joining me very shortly in the studio. Very exciting. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about, honestly. I, uh, You know, I've run into Sam a few times at the comedy store, and he's like, bro, I got to come on. That's deep. Bro. I got to get deep with you, bro. I got so much shit to talk about. And I'm like, what is it, Sammy? What do you, I just got so much shit I got to talk about, man. I got everything. Career, life, aliens. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So he'll be here shortly. Uh, in the meantime, thank you, everybody in Salt Lake City, Utah, who came out to see me. Holy shit biscuits. What an amazing four shows. It's been quite uh, a whirlwind. And the tour moves on. We're going to Portland, Oregon next, March 30th and 31st at Helium Comedy Club. Tickets for that one are moving quick. Uh, so get them if you intend on going. Go to ChristinaPOnline.com. I'm adding uh, some more markets as well. Oh, and then before that, the Calusa Casino in Calusa, California, February 23rd, one night only, one show only. Uh, Christina P online for tickets. And like I said, I'll be adding some more uh, stuff shortly. Shortly. We're working on it, guys. We're working on it. And that's it. Amazon, you know the drill. Do the thing. Do the stuff. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, I've been on a Rick Ross kick lately. God knows how, but I know why. Because I'm feeling like a goddamn boss. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you just got to feel you got to feel like the boss that you are. You got to know it in your heart. <laughs> I like Rick Ross. I, um, one time he came and he did Chelsea lately and, uh, he left behind his hat and he smokes a ton of weed. Oh, for the fuck's sake, every damn hustling. That's the song. And, uh, he left behind his weed hat and it just stank and I got to keep it. And that's my big, my big Rick Ross story. Yeah big deal okay let me find this motherfuck song okay let's do this let's do this every day i'm hustling 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 every day i'm 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 every day i'm every day i'm hustling every day i'm hustling Think you're fucking with? I'm the fucking boss. Say I'm 45, white on white. That's fucking Ross. I cut them wide, I cut them long, I cut them fat. I keep them coming back. We keep them coming back. I'm in the distribution. I'm like Atlantic. I got the motherfuckers flying across the Atlantic. I know Pablo. 
Noriega, the real Noriega, he owe me a hundred favors, I ain't petty nigga, we buy the whole thing, see most of my niggas really still deal cocaine, my roof back, roof back. my money ride, I'm on the pedal, show you what I'm running like, when they snatch black I cry for a hundred nights, he got a hundred bodies, serving a hundred lights, every day I'm hustling, every day steel cars, but we deal hard, whip it real hard, whip it, whip it real hard, I call the charge, call the charge. I call the charge, yeah. whip it real hard, whip it, whip it real hard, ain't about no funny shit, steal bitches and business, I'm on my money shit, still whipping them BNZs, major league, who catching because I'm pitching, Jose Canseco just snitching because he being it. I feed them steroids to strengthen up all my chickens. They flying over Pacifics to be specific. Triple C's, you know it's fact. We hold it set. So nigga, go rap. Go rap. Tell them that. I don't listen to rap very often, but when I do, it's Rick Ross. I like him. I don't know why I like this guy. I like his beard. That's a really hard beard. It's a noble beard to grow. And I don't know what he means when he says, I touch work like I'm convertible Bert. Bert, I got distribution. <laughs> What's convertible Bert? I have no idea. He's talking about Bert Kreischer being super fat. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he's hustling drugs through Bert Kreischer's incredible uh, big, fat, swollen, distended, you know, African starving kid belly. I don't fucking know what's happening. Uh, anyways... I just came out from Short Lake Titties. It was fucking awesome. Thank you, everybody who came to see me uh, perform. I'm beyond grateful for uh, for all the, all the people that come to see me. It really does mean a lot. And I don't, I can't meet people after shows now because I'm preggers. Excuse me. And I, I am. I don't want to get sick. I'm so f- afraid of um, catching another bout of toddler AIDS that I just caught. So you'll have to forgive me until I'm not pregnant. I will not be saying hi. I just, I can't, I can't, I fucking touch people's hands and they've just touched their noses. And then the next thing you know, you know, I'm fucking down. So anyways, I went to see a movie. I saw the uh, P.T. Barnum movie. What's that fucking stupid shit? I don't even know what it's called, but I got to tell you, the minute I hear singing in a film, I'm out. Like I'm out and I, I, part of me knew that there was going to be singing in this stupid movie. What's this fucking shit called this movie so I can tell you? But I, I, f- I feel like I blocked that out when I saw The uh, <laughs> the Greatest Showman. That's the name of the film. I think I blocked it out when I saw the trailers originally, and I was like, oh, I'm sure it's not that much singing. Like, oh, no. It's it's a lot of singing from, da- from second one of that movie. And it's so interesting because P.T. Barnum was uh, quite a, an interesting human being and an excellent salesman. Uh, and that's really what he was great at more than anything else from what I've read. Uh, he was great at advertising and he was kind of one of the first people to capture people's attention doing odd things. I think there was some story I read a million years ago where he would have a man walk around a building and just pick up a brick and put it down or something like that. <laughs> and eventually enough people stopped to watch this man just walking in circles, essentially picking up a brick and putting it down. And we had gotten, when he had gotten everybody's attention, he was like, come see my show. 
<laughs> you know, now we have social media, which is far easier to get people's attention or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe taking out ads in the one newspaper that existed, that was easier than social media because now you're contending with like millions of humans. But any hoodles, I went to go see this movie and uh, Jesus Christ, I mean, can they sanitize everyone's story a little bit more? It was like, he's a perfect guy, loves a wife, loves the kids, not exploiting the freaks, you know, this whole thing. And uh, so anyway, I ran into somebody after and they were telling me about P.T. Barnum and they go, you know, P.T. Barnum, I heard he was a racist. And I was like, uh, probably. I mean, <laughs> the guy lived in, well, let's see, what year did this, I don't know, what is that in the early 1900s or something, late 1800s? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure everybody was. <laughs> yeah, see, so he left from 1810 to 1891. And uh, it's like, well, of course he was a racist and probably a sexist, uh, uh, as were most dudes back then or what, you know. I just think it's so funny that we, uh, as a society now, have not, have just been so unforgiving of historical context when you're speaking about people who, uh, you know, they didn't have the awareness. P.T. Barnum did not have the awareness, I'm sure, of that we have today in 2018 of how that's really hurtful to people and, and how silly it is to discriminate based on, you know, the color of people's skin or where they're from, obviously. But it's so funny how we've, uh, now we're, we're now going into the back catalogs and, and, uh, and demonizing people, <laughs> the 1800s, because they were a product of their environments. Yeah. Yeah. And I also watched the Griselda Blanco story on Lifetime television, which I fucking love me some Griselda Blanco. I don't know why there's not uh, more movies and television films made about this broad. Uh, she's La Madrina, the godmother of the cocaine cartel from Medellin. She and Pablo. Oh, that's probably why I was into Rick Ross. See that unconscious stuff? All that drug. He's, he's from, uh, from Florida, Dade County, right? Uh, uh, which is Miami, which is where these cartels funneled in so much money, <laughs> so much money uh, in the 1980s. If you ever have a chance to go see Miami and just go see how spectacular all these Art Deco buildings are and um, the, the wonderful things that exist in Miami, you know, stadiums and, and hotels and, and schools or whatever, whatever you're seeing, uh, probably because of cartel drug money, probably because of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that worked its way into Miami uh, in the 80s and built a lot of shit. Um, so yeah, drugs aren't all horrible. I don't, you know, that's another American thing. But anyway, this movie with, with Griselda Blanco, uh, Griselda Blanco was a sociopath, of course. Of I mean, a fucking sociopath. She invented the the drive-by shooting, but not in a car, uh, the, the cycle-by shooting where a person on a motorbike would just gun you down in the streets. That's her legacy. <laughs> a real psycho. I mean, she would just, she would mercilessly kill people. Um, you know, again, a product of her environment. I'm pretty sure growing up in Medellin and being a prostitute by the age of eight had something to do with that. But uh, hey, you know, hey. But this Lifetime, oh, for God's sake, my, my alarm went off. Uh, my favorite part of the Lifetime film is that because it's Lifetime television for women, for moms specifically, they had to make her sympathetic. And much like the P.T. Barnum horse shit, 
you know, they had to rewrite history and make these people into model citizens of 2018. So she's a perfect mother. You see her uh, doting on her her boys, her three sons at the time she was three when she before she becomes la madrina. And like, have you done your homework, mijo? I do I have to call the school again? Like, you know, I'm, I don't know. Uh, my mom wasn't a sociopath, but ooh, she was uh, mentally ill, and that was never a phrase she uttered. <laughs> Okay. Uh, they don't care when your parents are crazy or checked out. There's not a lot of, uh, you doing your homework. You, uh, you eating okay. How, how about lunch? What do we pack you for lunch today? By the way, I, this makes me laugh utterly, utterly when I hear people with uh, children older than mine telling me that they have to do their kids homework now. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. First of all, why? I don't know why this is happening. I'm sure I'm going to find out shortly. But secondly, uh, <laughs> the thought of asking my parents for help with anything, <laughs> I would fucking rather eat a brick, uh, get all my teeth smashed in, than ask my parents for help. Because the times I have were not good. I remember one time I asked, I asked my father for help with uh, probably like, you know, division. I'm talking third grade, third grade. I was like, Dad, can you help me with this? And he took a look at it, and he was like, nah, I don't know how to do this shit, and then just walked away. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, now, does he have to know long division? No. No. And in fact, if some third grader handed me long division, I probably would be like, oh, dude, you're, you're killing me. I don't even remember. But here's what you can do. I mean, as a parent now, we were not destitute. We were not poor. Uh, you know, there's high schoolers who you can pay like, I don't know, eight bucks an hour. They can come over and teach your kid how to do division. Did you know that? <laughs> but just the, the, just the, no, I don't know it later. You're on your own. Like really taught me very quickly to not rely on uh, the adults. Same with my mom. Hey mom, can you help me with this? Yeah, I don't know this shit. Sorry, I don't know what the fuck this is. And then, like, no attempt made at finding someone who could maybe help me. <laughs> Yon yon, every day hustling on your own, kid. So, anyways, uh, yes, the rewriting of history, the rewriting of people who are deeply flawed. Because it's okay. Look, P.T. Barnum, pretty fucking amazingly accomplished human being, probably inherently flawed, just given the time, the era that he grew up in. Uh, and so what? You can still appreciate people's accomplishments without ha- them having to be squeaky clean and perfect. Uh, you know, to some extent, you can separate someone's, someone's doing from their being, right? You know what I mean? People are complicated. People are complicated. It's not black and white. And you only know their public persona by the way. You only know what uh, what they kind of let you see. So don't get bummed out. If you hear that your hero was a racist or a sexist or beat his wife, it's like, nah, probably around the time they were alive, <clears throat> everyone was doing that shit. Then again, I don't know. They could just be creeps and sociopaths and you're worshiping a sociopath. So there you go. All right. I'm going to press pause here for a moment. We're going to get uh, Sam Tripp's into the studio and uh yeah we're gonna have some kind of a bitching conversation i feel it because sam is just one of my favorite people he's a lot of uh his fucking frantic fun energy and he's always got great ideas and he's always just like the party you know what i mean okay we'll see him 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everything. God damn it. See, look, that's She's us right She's a woman, there. not a fucking... We're recording. Huh? So, okay, guys... Right. Anyways, no, we're recording. Now, we're starting That's Deep Bro. Oh, we're, we're in it? is leaving. I wanted to tell you guys that you guys are working on... If you need, like, an hour in town, let me know. I, I got do. a room. I do. And when you see it, you're going to be like, this is gorgeous. And then you talk, okay, we'll, we'll do it. Let's talk about this later. Okay. So, you're on That's Deep Bro now. And, yeah. And you just started telling me that you're crazy. Bro. Am I a crazy person? I think people think I'm a crazy person. Why do you think that? Because I think people look at me like I'm a crazy... I think people think I'm a wild card, and I could just at any point pull out gasoline and burn everything down. That's how I feel. Uh, do you think you are yourself? Like, do you feel that way inside? You just ever since people I, see you? Ever since I started doing this conspiracy podcast, people think I'm really crazy. <laughs> like, really crazy. And I feel the most free I've ever been, but maybe that's what crazy people think. I don't know, but I think that it sounds like you're you're getting to the core of what you like doing. And if that makes you crazy, then I guess so be it. I do. I like, I do like saying weird shit. I like, I just don't think there's any room for being provocative. There's tons of room. When I see what you guys are doing, I'm like, okay, there's hope. I just see a lot of people going up there. I can tell what their acts are as they're walking up. And it just drives me a little crazy. Sometimes I think, like I'm a giant failure at the same time because, you know, I was in this mix and then cause I'm, I just, I'm, I'm a bo I'm like a lone wolf. I have like crippling social anxiety, like crippling. Really? See, I wouldn't, I would never yeah. peg you as that. Tell me about it. I that. never hang out with anybody. I'm like, I can't get in anywhere quick enough. I can't get out quick enough. You know, I, I've gone to birthday parties, handed them the gift and walked right out the fucking place, <laughs> you know, which led to a lot of drug abuse, you know? Cause you can't, you gotta like, no, he's gotta like calm yourself down a lot, you know? So I, I just never really got into the hanging out and doing any of that stuff. So I just felt like, a, you know, it's just like, it's crippling bad. Like I could just sit at home and never leave my place sometimes. You, and, and do you do that? Do you act on that? No. Cause I'm always like, then I live in a town full of FOMO too at the same time. Like I have this weird two like things Wait, going what, on. What is this millennial thing you speak of? I've fear of missing out. Have fear. you heard of this? Like that's why there's I have, yeah. 12 lanes of like packed people out there. Hold on. Let me turn my headphones down. There we go. Yes, I have. I have heard of this uh, FOMO. Okay. I've heard of this so FOMO. You're afraid of missing out. Okay. So uh, I like, I can't hang out at any, any place but the comedy store. Yeah, that feel, but I think that's a kind of normal comedian thing because I have social, not social anxiety. Yeah, maybe I do. I do what's called isolating, my therapist I, I, says, yeah. where I, I don't like to go out. I don't want to stay in. I don't want to do anything. And then, but the store is safe because you can have short conversations. Yeah. You can stick and move. Hey, hey, yeah. And it's not intimate because I don't like intimacy sometimes. I, I find close relationships uncomfortable. But maybe that's just it. I mean, but you're in a you're in a relationship, right? Yeah, I'm in a relationship with a lovely person. <laughs> and how, how that long drives you, me fucking nuts. <laughs> how long? But you you can fifteen maintain, years. Yeah, but you can maintain that. Yes, yes. Like she's very she's very understanding. She's she's very supportive. You know, yeah. it's 
Yeah, it's just it's just I just have a weird like I just can't hang out anywhere. To the point I don't even want to go on auditions. I don't even want to do any of that shit. I just want to write well-crafted, multi-layered dick jokes. Yeah. Talk about lizard people and occasionally <laughs> talk about sports. That's kind of... But you know what's great about the world that we live in today? And I think what's changed since you and I have started in comedy is that you can. And like now with internet and podcasting and doing the stand-up shows that you want to do, which you put them on at the at the store and you sell out the main room. Like, yeah. Well, I'm blessed that I have friends like you guys that do the show. I, I make no qualms about that. Like the lucky, the luckily that I have friends that want to do the show. And then in turn, I like to pay the people that do the show to make it worthwhile to go do the show. Cause I feel like some people just hijack all that cash. And I'm like, ah, I like everybody to make money. You know what I'm saying? Like the door guys make money. The waitresses make money. Everybody fucking makes money, you know? Yeah. But you can't, you can, you can live this. I think, cause I think. I hear what you're saying about you're like I'm crazy and everyone thinks I'm crazy and but on the uh, but doesn't it kind of feel good to just accept that about yourself like I like conspiracy theories I'm a little socially awkward like it's kind of a relief is it not Yeah it totally is I, but but I I kind of just you know I was in New York and it was really like freeing because I feel like they are they they like to question everything I feel in LA we're just in this place of like everybody's conforming so quickly. Like it's just like conform, conform. And then if you don't conform, they get really weird with you and they stare at you. You're like, Oh, why did you shit in our birthday cake? And I'm like, (laughs) I just like to shit in the birthday cake. And that used to be fun to do. It was like, Hey dude, there's a birthday cake. Let's go shit in it. Now everyone's like, Oh, you're a mean man. You know? Yeah. Yes. There is this, this joy of conformity right now, especially amongst the young people. They can't do it quick enough, which is scary. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like 80s rock. Yeah. Where, you remember when grunge came and like yeah. nobody gave a fuck about 80s rock and no matter how hard 80s rock rocked and they rocked. Yeah. They're like, no, we want you to be like sad and depressing. And, you know, and it's just like I feel that's kind of in comedy, too, where it's like if you say like you can't be provocative, I feel like and now when I see what uh, he did, and what you're doing, like I'm like, OK, there's and then Joey Diaz doing it's like this weird this weird like kind of tribe that's kind of going through it, you know, but I just see what's out there. It's just like nobody's moving anybody and it no. fucks my head up. Yeah. That I feel like I'm doing too much. Like I should be like playing the game, but I hate the game. I hate, I hate that there's this imaginary group of people that we have to get the green light from yes, in order do. to do what we want to do. You do. And, and here's the thing with that sucks with being in, in a creative industry is that, there are gatekeepers and these people determine your future. And if you're in, you're in. And if you're not, good luck. Yeah. Now, here's the good news about these gatekeepers is they switch around a lot. They go away. They go away. And if you if you don't get along with one gatekeeper, guess what? In a year or two, they're going to go work somewhere Chill else. out. Yeah, they're going to get fired, whatever. And, and eventually your person who's going to get for you is going to come. I believe in that. I, uh, I was at a comedy club recently uh, on the road, and uh, there was a manager that had a shitty attitude. And, every, and all the comics were like, what's his problem? I'm like, don't worry. It'll go away. <laughs> they all go away. They all do. They all go away. It's, yeah. It's, it, you know what it is interesting? It's like, I, do you believe in karma? I do. I believe in, uh, not, not in the real Buddhist sense, not in past lifetime stuff. 
but kind of in the way of consciousness of this lifetime. Right. I believe that your unconscious mind fulfills its destiny. And if you have crappy, crazy, unconscious thoughts, you're going to manifest that shit. So when I, that the energy way. you put out, the energy you get back. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't believe in that forever. And then like, cause I, I remember watching all these people just jacking jokes. Everyone's like, they're stealing all these jokes and nothing was happening. And then oh. all at the same time, Boom, it just all crashed. I'm like, oh, there is a universe and it is, it is watching and it is, yeah. it, it never forgets. So yeah. So I, you know, my career is just totally based on treating people well. I think, and that's a great model because have you ever heard that saying, uh, be careful how you treat people on your way up because oh, you yeah. will see them again I, on the way back down. I see some people like that. I watch so their life and I'm like, it's like a horror film. <laughs> and you're like, don't go down there. Don't go down Because there's a killer's there and that killer's your ego and it's ready to stab you. And I see it happen all so the do time. I. And, and we know the same people. We've watched the same people. And sometimes it's really to your disadvantage to get success, excuse me, quick and young in this in this business. Oh, 100%. It's the worst in the world. Uh, because you're you're not prepared, you may not have the talent to back up the fame or whatever it is, and the ego gets in the way and ruins it for you. Well, you it's also don't you. Get you it, can, it confirms this weird bias that we have that we're the chosen one or we're the best. And then, like, if you get, if you're blessed, then that gets fucked out of you along the way. Like, you know, I was in that movie Dying oh, Laughing, yeah. and I talk about when they heckle me, you know, they're trying to hurt my feelings, and I don't have any because I'm dead <laughs> on the inside, and, like, my soul's been gang-banged by clowns, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And it's, it's just the truth. It's just, like, on to the next one, whether it's a win. You know, you, you don't get too excited about the wins, right? you know, but of you course. get excited about the little things, but it's like, okay, on to the next one. But here's the thing, and here's what I, because I've watched really, I've watched Joe Rogan. You and I both are friends with Joe, and or whoever, famous successful comedians and it seems to me like that treadmill is never ending it's a hamster wheel so okay you've got a great special out when's the next one coming what about movies what about television where's the next thing it's and you have to keep up with your own fame and now comes the pressure of that so it's like I feel like no matter where you are in your career, there's always that thing of like, I should be doing, I can be better, or I have to keep it up now. You know, I, I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately, and I just come to the conclusion I was on mushrooms, and I just <laughs> sat there, because I'm sober, except for shrooms. Like, that's my thing. I, d I don't consider them drugs talking to God, you know? And I sat there, and I just realized that I'm right where I need to be. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like this crazy thing where it's like, yeah. you know, there's a lot, there's, I would like to have shot some specials. I'm about to shoot one in March. Oh, good. You know, I'm going to do like the greatest hits and then, but I'm like, I'm cool where I am, dude. Yeah. I had a TV show. I had to wake up at six in the morning. Didn't want that. <laughs> Didn't want that. I love not having a boss. That's the best part about the, this. Yeah. The closest thing to a boss I have is Al Magical asking us, stop showing dicks on Punch Drunk. <laughs> like Ari can't stop showing his dick. Yeah. What's so up that's, with that? That's the, I don't know, man. It's just some and weird. His, and his butthole. And his butthole has um, adjustable grip. <laughs> which is very weird when you see your friends got this weird kind of click, click, click thing going on. And you're like, how did that happen? What is happening? I don't know. But you know what I will say? What, what I think you've been great at as a comedian, I think you're so funny and you're so talented. And you're right that we're in an era of conformity. And it's and Bill Burr was on your mom's house and he brought up this point that we're the older people, right? We should be lame. We should be considered 
take my wife, please. And we're not. We're actually the voices that are being provocative. And it, the generational thing has flipped, okay? Where the young it's people are. It's so weird, it. right? But it's also a wonderful position of power for someone like you who is a hedonistic, you know, uh, conspiracy theorist. I love it. Strippers and come on, man! Like let's like you you represent kind of what needs to go down in, yeah. in society. A little it's, bit of chaos. You it's kind of like Dave Chappelle said. I I really do believe it is our job, and I and I pay for it sometimes on stage. Yeah, to push back with this notion that there should be some rules to this thing. Yeah, and the truth is, it's like. The, the less hangups you have, the more free you are. There's no real ru- word I could ever hear anybody say where I'm going to flip out and go nuts. And, and like I heard Brian Holtzman was at the comedy store and six women walked out crying. You should not <laughs> be at a comedy club if crying is an option that night. Right. Crying at what? At, at jokes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's I've terrible. had people come up on stage and swing on me. Right. <laughs> I've had multiple times where women have had to bounce other women from shows because guys can't do anything. We're at the com- I was at the comedy store having this weird moment with Brody Stevens, right? And, he, you know, it was one of those things where Brody didn't want to get off stage. So it's like, you ever, I don't know if you ever followed anybody where their intro view is like another five minutes of them slipping jokes in. You're like, let's go. Next person. <laughs> yeah. My time. Yeah. So he brings me up. Yeah. We have this weird thing. And this drunk Australian chick oh. just comes up to me, starts laying into me, screaming at me. Nobody's oh. doing nothing. And I'm just like, boom, 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 boom. Cause I'm dead on the uh, inside. Right. right. <laughs> you're not. Isn't it weird how like, I don't know about you, but like, I don't think you're dead on the inside. I think you're alive. You're, you're more alive than most people, and I think it's it's overwhelming to be as alive as you are. Is it amazing that sometimes the things we go through in our childhood Ugh. are the things that save us later on in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to be wired kooky to be a stand-up. I think that's that's yeah, all normal people aren't funny. Well, normal people. no, and they wouldn't put up with this much abuse that we take to get oh, good yeah. at something like this. Like it, it's it's sadistic. That's why I tell people, man, you got to watch yourself with this Me Too shit because you're asking <laughs> fucking savages to be gentlemen, <laughs> and like that's why they're entertaining because yeah. they're complete whack jobs. Yeah, you know, and they don't see the world to say, and you need that. You yeah. need that. And yes, there's been the Weinstein's and all that crazy shit, and that's awful. And I'm not taking anything away that. But if you're trying to make them in the saints, you're just going to be let down all the fucking time man yeah i agree i think there's something in it that look there are just some bad apples in society and you know we can try and weed out as many as possible but there's always going to be weirdos fuckheads racists rapists scumbags fuck faces douche but it's always going to be because the world is a fucked up place right and this utopian horse shit that everyone's supposed to be special and a snowflake and let's all hold it. It's never going to fucking go. And the people like who always say that are the ones who are the most full of shit. Yeah. All the male feminists, like, oh. guys, let's respect them. You're like, <laughs> oh, dude, if you ever hear that ladies run with your vaginas, those yes. are the rapists. Can I t- yes, can I tell you the male feminist is the enemy. Do not buy into this motherfucker with a thumb ring and a ponytail. This is just his racket of getting laid. Yeah. I don't believe a fucking Listen, word any male the, feminist. Any, anybody who's like after after Trump was like grab her by the pussy and he guys like come on guys we don't talk about that you're lying dude every girl that walks by we all just talk about how we want to go medieval on holes that's what we want to do it goes through our head but we're gentle enough to keep it inside but and that's but that's that's what the thing is it's like hey you can have your thoughts yeah 
You can even express those thoughts in a creative place, right, whatever, right. but just don't act on them. 100%. You're going to pol- the thought police now. We're going to police everybody. It's never going to fucking, it's never going to happen. I have this theory that women create the, the, the rules of society, yes. how we interact with each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. Women determine all that stuff. That's why you can see uh, you know, ads for vibrators on Facebook. Yeah. Like, if you put a pocket pussy on there, heads would fucking explode. But vibrators, women are cool with that. Women make the rules of inter- how we interact society-wise, okay? Men make the rules of business. Interesting. And what I think political correctness is, is his attempt to take the rules of society and apply it to business. Hmm. And I just don't think it's... And that's why... I, I have weird theories, too, man. No, I mean, I think to some extent you're right. Uh, well, let's see. I like to think of the... Have you ever been to the Middle East and experience? Yes. yes. I mean, you look at that. I, I One time I, I bought a hijab and I got to wear it around. And you would think that I would hate it, being the person that I am. But I got to tell you, I kind of liked it. Because it was like being fucking invisible. No motherfuckers harassed me. Nobody looked at me. Nobody. And I was free. I actually, for the first time, felt free as a woman because nobody was looking at my tits or whatever right now they don't make those rules those women but to some extent they endorse them because they participate in the wearing of the hijab or whatever the fuck the you know their the covering is well uh, yeah i i think if you go to certain parts of the world where there's this like super religious a doctor i i was talking Western civilization and like where this political correct there's there's no political correctness in the Middle East so that no. can be thrown out as well you no, know that no, is no. just like old dogma. But what you're saying is that women kind of set the tone for how they are treated, and I would use that as an example of the women that uphold those traditions and enjoy those traditions. They teach the dudes kind of how to you know maintain whatever semblance of societal dignity well, 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 well if you look at hillary clinton regardless of what you think of her whether you think she's a sith lord or not you know <laughs> which i do she <laughs> she didn't give women didn't vote for her. no she was hated she was hated by everybody and you could say anything you want and i'm not I, i'm a i'm a ronin i'm in no group dude i just walk the earth myself there's been five or six politi- presidential candidates on the republican side that have been female there's been one on the democratic side in the last 20 years that's interesting and that is all because hillary clinton would not let you run in that party now oprah which is very interesting going on the golden globes tell women it's a different time (laughs) blah 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 fun fact about oprah oprah wouldn't let anybody work on her show that was thinner than her or more attractive than her really it was just fucking cattle dog everywhere and it's just like (laughs) So who's who's empowering who? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Listen, d- dynamics with women in power—it's a little tricky because we don't truly have power. And everybody, every fucking dumb woman that tells you that we have more power than you think—no, we don't. Not until we're in government. Not until we're in business. Not right. until we're making money. Because guess what? That fucking dictates the economic dictates the social everything. No matter you can transcend your race, your gender, your class, whatever with fucking money. Rich versus poor. That's right. Now my stepfather was an Indian immigrant, came from fucking nothing, became a millionaire, and then donated to the Republican Party. And I swear it, just by virtue of having millions of dollars, transcended his class, his race, and that's what America respects is fucking money. I get. So, I, I talk about power. this a lot in, in, on Tinfoil Hat. A lot of people think groups go vertically from top to bottom, and and that's done by the people on the top t- 
to convince the people yeah, on the bottom yeah, yeah, to bullshit. fight for them why they make all the money and pull all the bullshit, you know? And it's like, but it's really just, it's all horizontal. It's like economic classes where it's more like one giant economic from really poor to kind of, uh, you know, comfortably versus the ultra rich, you know? Yeah. If you go back to slavery, right, which is like, everybody's like this dark time in American history, which it was. But the truth of the matter is that people want to act like we all had slave buddies, like we all had our own slave. And it was the 1%. It was like the Bill Gates... It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Those are right, the only right. people who own slaves. Poor right. white people are the same. A poor white guy has more in common with a poor black man than Michael Jordan has with a poor black. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but, it's but economics. Yeah. It's 100. percent I keep fucking with these levels. I don't know. I think they're all good. Okay, okay. Just checking. Um, let's talk about you, though. I'm fascinated by you. Tell me, give me a snapshot of your uh, of your childhood, as Paul Gilmartin would say. Well, give me you, a snapshot. Uh, it's very interesting. I um, I flunked first grade. <laughs> you know, I was held back because they felt I wasn't mature enough for the next level. I was only good at one thing, and I was making people laugh. Uh, my only uh, pretty much athletic achievement was I was voted um, most improved bowler on my high school bowling team. <laughs> um, I, w- I used to be in a very big break dancing group. I we love break dancing. We went to the Maple Leaf Festival. What? What was your move? What could you do? Uh, I was a top rocker and a pop locker. Wow. Yeah, and I I could do the uh, windmill with a mullet. Those that was my. Uh, that was it. Can you still do it? No. I mean, I have a bit called stripper in a wheelchair and people ask me to do it all the time. If I go, if I go down, I can't get back up. <laughs> it's a young man's joke. Yes. So I was always entertained. I lived in my brother's shadow my entire high school and he's two years younger than me. He uh, was the number one high school bowler in New York state. He could bowl three hundreds with both hands. He could literally like, he could take whatever hand hit 12 strikes right in a row. Uh, was the, one of the best golfers in New York State. We called him the White Bo Jackson. Wait, so he, these, yeah, these are all like white man sports. Yeah, Bowling, he was great. Golf. But where I'm from, <laughs> being a great bowler is like walking on water. You know what I'm saying? That where, was some real from? shit. Upstate New York. Upstate New York, okay. Like, okay. I, I didn't realize how redneck it was until I, I, I left. I'm like, holy fuck, man. <laughs> it is hick as shit up here, man. Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up, and we were a very interesting group, my friends and I, because they were the first generation of divorce. Mm-hmm. That's and right. that traumatized all of them. And they became very hardened people, and uh, it was very interesting because we, at some point, we stopped fist fighting with each other, and we just started verbally annihilating each <laughs> other. And that's kind of what I'm telling about. Where later on in life, mm. that became this incredible skill I had. Yes, of, yes, with hecklers. Yes, yes. So, hundred percent. Yeah. I, there was this. There was this pizza place called Pontillos, and if you sat in this one section of this. Uh, of um, this booth, you got annihilated. They would, I mean, it was relentless and you had to fight back quick. And it was like one on six. You could find yourself get, just getting lit up constantly. So I was so used to that. And I remember going to college and I went, I joined a fraternity and like one dude said something to me and I just fucking kneecapped him. And I, and it was just like, Oh, I'm good at this dude. Yeah. And then I remember when I had my first heckler, I, I, it was the first time in my life I'd done two sets in one day. I'd never done that. I'd had one set and thought that was good enough. Well, I bombed at UNLV at my college. I bombed. And my oh. friend's like, dude, you got to get up again. There's another open mic. I go, can you do two in a day? Right. Is that they're possible? Like, they're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I go and I, I'm doing stand up and this fucking 
mechanic with the worst grill I've ever seen on somebody comes up and starts heckling me. And I just like, and I just light this dude up and the place goes crazy. I'm like, oh man, I'm good with hecklers, man. And yeah. you know, so I would do whole shows. What I would do, because when I started doing stand up in LA and Vegas, there was one open mic every other week in the entire town. So I'm like, I got to start my own shit, which is hilarious because that's all I do now. Which is, which is, by the way, one of the most wonderful attributes in any person is to be a self-starter and to, hey, you, you want something? Fucking do it yourself. You know, it's been That's a 23-year ju- journey, but now it's just like click. Like, I create brands. Like, I got this tinfoil hat comedy night. I'm going out with, like, Eddie Bravo. Just listen to him yell about Flat Earth for 30 minutes, and I go up and I do it. But people fucking love it. So explain what that is. So if people want to come see that, what is that? So I have a podcast called Tinfoil Hat, and it's just like, it's it's skept- it's spiritual skepticism. We like to just look at, like, what like what what is the official story, and what do we think is really going on? And everything is research facts. People get very angry, but it's all research facts. Once in a while, it would be like, if you just, if you, you know, you just see patterns, you could tell where it's going and what's, whether it's true or not, you know? So, uh, it's called tinfoil hat. Cause it's kind of like NWA where they took the N word back. We're like, I'm going to call it tinfoil <laughs> hat. I'm taking this motherfucking, this phrase back yeah. that they say about crazy people. And I'm going to make it like this cool thing. Someone told me that people at the Pentagon have been listening to my fucking show. What? This guy hit me up. He goes, I know people at the Pentagon that are listening to your podcast. Why? Just to monitor and make sure you're not... No, they're like, this guy knows it. He's like, they love it. I'm like, that's... I know they're all listening. Oh, my goodness. I know they're all listening. And I like, it it is what it is, you know? But uh, so it's like, I, I... you know, the election started happening and I just saw this crazy stuff going on with Hillary and I'm like, no, it's going on. And people are like, crazy person. And I was just like studying and it's like, it didn't make sense. And I see people like, what, what stuff about Hillary? Specifically? Well, now that we find out, like she just completely rigged everything. She took over the DNC, not only took it over, but fucking like was in charge of all the money who they hired, all that shit, robbed them blind. Now we're finding out about Wired. And listen, man, there's so much shit to hate about Trump. There's so much shit to hate about Trump. But you'll never hear about it in the mainstream media because what there is to hate about Trump is the people who signed Rachel Maddow's, Wolf Blitzer, Don Lemon, and all those guys' checks are benefiting from that too. Mm-hmm. So they can't call that shit out. So they have to make up some crazy shit about the, uh, the uh, Russians. Do you want to hear a crazy thing about the Russians? Yeah. Do you think that they, they've messed with our election? Nope. No. Why is that? Uh, because if you're talking about bots, okay, if you're talking about bots, most of those bots, half of those bots came out after the election and half of those bots that came out before election came into states where Trump won. So it's like a quarter of these things might've had, but it, it didn't do anything because Hillary lost a couple, she lost the black vote. Because of the crime bill of 1996, which uh, Bill Clinton passed, which was called, which super predators, which basically was institutional racism that made like a, a nugget of crack worth the same penalty as a helicopter full of cocaine. Who does coke? White guys. Who does crack? Black people. And, you know, so th- she lost the black because locked up a lot of black males disproportionate amount of black males on drug charges okay she lost she lost the midwest wisconsin uh not the uh, wisconsin pennsylvania um ohio michigan lost all them because of free trade all those jobs left 
Her, her husband signed the free trade bill, which, which NAFTA, which moved everything down, and we got lied to right to our faces that what was going to... Okay, NAFTA, Al Gore went on Larry King and said, okay, we're going to open our borders, and over here is going to be Mexico. Over here is going to be the United States, okay? And we're going to free flow and still allow American companies to bring their uh, goods down there. Well, if you're paying a dollar a day... For a worker, or you're paying twenty dollars an hour over here. Where are you going to move your factory to? Well, of course, yes. But they lied. They they convinced us the other way that was going to go. And well, but that's nothing new. I mean, look at Reagan and his trickle down economics, and it never worked. It's all All, but all governments. To quote Bill Hicks, all governments are lying. What is it? (laughs) Lying pieces of shit. They're all they're They're all all, fucking shape shifting motherfuckers. Yes, and and now especially with Trump, but you just start to see it more. I feel like I've really been like, oh, this is. I just saw that movie, the. Paper, uh, you know, with Meryl Streep yeah. about the whole yeah. Vietnam cover up and how we, we it was a quagmire. We were going to lose from the beginning and we knew it and we still sent boys to die. Every war is a banker's war. Oh, of course. There's no fucking. Uh, it's so sad and it makes me sad because I see people who have such good hearts and the, most everyone I've ever met in the military, they go into it for the right reasons. Yes. Like they're yes. such altruistic good people yes and they're just being they're lambs to the slaughter and yeah it's like 100 percent. fuck dude it, it's crazy it makes me so sad and then you just sit back you go oh man it's like there's just patterns you can see like was it eight or nine countries was it 10 countries that didn't have centralized banks we're now in all those countries <laughs> of course you know trying it's just oh, well. they're all banker wars they're all banker wars so she lost all that the russia the, let me tell you something russia do you know that uh the civil war do you know what the civil war was about it wasn't only about slavery you know no, what it, was it really, wasn't about slavery it, at the very end it was or something it, it? you know what it was yeah. about centralized banks oh jesus christ and well, no, I want to talk. Listen, we, not on this show. You talk, so listen to Tinfo Head if you want Am to. Am I hear hijacking yes, your show? This is, not, this is not our show. So listen, let's talk about hecklers. Okay. Why? What's with the hecklers? What about. Is it. You like it. You like annihilating. I guess I do. I guess I like to. I just. I'm punk rock, dude. I just. I think love. that's called anger. I have that too. Is it anger? Yeah, or is just, it just this thing where it's just like. Maybe it is. I, I, I don't. May, I like to just, I love, I grew up in just in your face, yeah. crazy, like fucking rock stars and just rebels. And I like to go up there and rattle cages. Maybe yeah. that's not, maybe that's why everything's kind of going the way it is. <laughs> well, I agree with you because I, I too like to put a fucking brick in it. And I get that for me, at least stand up for the first 10 years, the motivator was anger. And it was, I'll show you mom and dad, I'm not a fucking loser because you guys think I'm a fucking loser and I'll show you. I'll show everyone that didn't believe in me, that call me, you know, that didn't think I was smart enough, good enough. I'm good enough. Fuck you. Until you realize that's your motivation. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, they're never going to approve of me. Like mommy and daddy are never going to. That's never going to happen. Then you have to find a different motivation to yeah, do stand up. But but what is it? What's the anger about? Because that that's definitely an anger energy, man. I'm trying to think where it comes from because I've always liked bad guys. I've always liked the bad guys. <laughs> I always like yeah chaos. Me too. I love chaos, dude. Yeah, yeah. And I just. I think stand up maybe it's not right for that and but I don't care. I don't know why. I love seeing what I can get away with. 
Yeah. I love Me finding too. that line and yeah. just fucking snorting that line and just <laughs> going past that line and just going deep into that line. You know, I just, I just want to wake, I want people to go there. What the fuck was that guy talking about? What the, and maybe they go, oh dude, that guy doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And I, I'll do shows where I stand in outside and dude, one person like, you're the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Next person's like, you go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I don't know why. I just enjoy it. I do too. And I, did you, did you like Andy Kaufman? Was he one of your... I like that guy, but I liked Sam Kennison, yeah, Richard Pryor. Yeah, me too. Like, you know, Andrew Hicks, Dice Clay. Hicks, this, Dice, yeah, yeah. I want people to come and hear shit they can't hear at the office. Right. I want people to go... I want it to be an event. I want people to go, fuck, that guy went for it. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't give a fuck. I know. I want people to hear shit that scares them and realize it's okay. Right. You know? And that it's like, be get in that fucking weird zone where it's like, okay, I'm uncomfortable. Why am I uncomfortable? Am I saying, like, people used to be like, you're a shot comic. Never. I never said one thing that wasn't real. I never went up there going, watch me say some weird shit and just make up stuff that I think is going to piss people. Everything, whether it's, it's my truth. Right. It's my truth. There's always been like a truth to what I've always said. I grew up on Bill Hicks. Maybe that's why. Bill Hicks, like, oh, fuck, man. Tool. He's my favorite. Yeah. I love him so much. Wait, but, uh, but I feel like, because I think like my problem with comedy for a long time is that. People always told me um, not to be me. I was discouraged very early. Like, you know, you, you should talk about dumber. You should be dumber. You know, you're too highbrow. You should uh, dress sluttier. Why don't you show your tits? Um, I, I was can't told, believe that. Oh, almost. You should wear clean. You're never going to be successful. Oh, that's if you're all dirty. I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. And it's the opposite. Tom and I were just talking about this before you got here. Who's the biggest ax? Chris Rock. Uh, you know, Bill Burr, Louis C.K. before the tragedy occurred. Um, you know, Amy Schumer, all these people are selling out Madison Square Garden and they're filthy. So that paradigm has completely disappeared. And everything everyone has told me to change and be be like someone else, um, it's like it didn't work. For, it's not who I was. And I think until I admitted to myself, like, I'm fucking dark as fuck. Like, I like Bill Hicks. I'm very existential. I'm very... I'm dark sided, dude, and I'm gonna embrace the dark side of the force inside of me. Yeah, and I'm gonna shoot my special in a black dress, and I'm gonna make it dark and I spooky, love it. And, and not be. I'm not Amy Schumer. Let Amy Schumer be Amy Schumer. Yeah, this is me, and it's a. But it's scary to be like, yes. I am crazy, or I am dark, and I am this. And but I think that's a big part of the creative for anybody doing anything creatively is to embrace the darkness inside of you, the dark side of your force, your shadow self, or whatever is Carl Jung said so like you know what i mean like you're crazy and you're like i'm crazy crazy. that's the first thing you said and but but yeah okay yes i am like maybe it's embracing all that energy and all that and being like yeah i'm fucking crazy i'm gonna take it up 10 more you haven't seen fucking crazy yet you know man and i've been kind of coming to uh this understanding that we all have a truth and that not all of our truths are going to be as accepted as it is before do you know like yeah, some yeah. some truth is more acceptable than other truth yeah some of it's and spooky and gross and scary and some truth is like i'll sell out fucking eight nights at a theater and then some truth is hey man there's 50 people here to see me you know <laughs> and it's just it, it, 
that's the biggest thing I've come had to really deal with is just like this acceptance of like where I am. Where you are and what? Just career wise, life wise, everything. Like just like where I am right now. You know, like I'm I look at my friends and they are the Mount Rushmore of comedy. And that could be intimidating. It's crazy. Because I came up with these motherfuckers. But then I get, I, if, I, if I focus on that, I don't see the, the fucking bazillion people behind me. Not That's that I'm anything right. special. You know, I mean, like, I, I am nothing special. But I, I, I focus so hard on, like, oh, I should be in the theaters. I should be all that. But maybe that's just never going to be me. Maybe, you know, it's like Tom Waits. Like, what a wonderful guy that is. Nobody knows who that dude is. (laughs) I love Tom Waits, but you and I love Tom Waits. Yeah, but here's the thing about technology and the internet and the way that, like I said, the gatekeepers change is that you don't even know. Like, next week, some crazy shit could happen. Like, dude, I didn't get a special until I was 40 years old. And I was talking to Bill Burr at the store one time in the green room and he goes, you know what, Christina, I was a goddamn loser. I didn't have my first special until I was 40. And I was like, Bill, I don't have my first special. Until, yeah. You know, and, I'm 45. Shoot right, my first one. Right. So that's all. It's all in our heads, how we rank and how we judge ourselves. It's like, it's fucking not, it's not the case. And you don't know what's going to happen next week, next year. I mean, who knows? You never fucking know. No, that is it. What, what's here? T- what's not here today could be here tomorrow for yes. sure. But it's getting there and being okay with that. Yes, yes. You know, it's like for the first time in my life, I've, I've, I have money. Yeah, that's great. I've been like a, a dude. I've been a broke motherfucker. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not any more happy no. than when I was a broke motherfucker. I just think now, if I want to buy something, I could buy it. Well, but there, that to me is, it's a relief. It's like, if you, if you don't have to think about money, that's why you have money. So you don't have to think about it. But it, everything's been fought for tooth and fucking yeah, nail. I know. Tooth and nail. <laughs> like, I just see like, like some people get fast track and it's just like, not going to happen, man. Like no. this tinfoil hat and I'm not going to get into, but it's like, this is like the fourth, like basically the fourth incarnation of a podcast on this feed. Like it started out the naughty show. Nobody listened to it. <laughs> Nobody listened to the naughty show. I would leave there side splitting with laughter. Couldn't get anyone to listen to the fucking naughty <laughs> show. Couldn't get anyone. So then I did a rant show cause I love ranting. And then I kind of got bored of that. Then I did something with my friend where we did crazy storytelling show and we just had a giant falling out. So then I decided to, and this is the thing that's kind of blowing up. See, you know, and it's just like, but yeah, it's like, uh, we only find out about our, our, our uh, we only hear about other people's wins. It's like, not that you read right. their biography. We're like, this motherfucker got tons of L's. Right. Nothing but L's. Right. Because that's the American myth is the, this redemption through success. And once you're a success, everything's great. And you're a winner now. And like, it's so, it's so stupid because people don't see the marathon, the 14, 15, 20 years that goes before Bill Burr became Bill Burr or Joe right. Rogan became Joe Rogan. Like guys, there's a whole list, just a string of failures and calamity and being broke, broke and poor and, and fucking performing in hibachi grills and fish restaurants and Captain whatever's and yeah. you know what and, I mean. And like, then the fuck. people who get it so quickly, we, we in 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 recovery, it's called. They say 
don't judge your insides by somebody else's outsides. I love that saying. You know, and it's just, it's the truth because I know a lot of motherfuckers who get it and they're miserable fucks. Oh, yes. Because there's like a soul being sold. It's like, I'd rather make the amount of money I make doing what I want to do. Yeah. With no boss. Like, except for Al going, Sam, can we we stop with the dicks (laughs) once in a while? And that's it. Tom and I were just talking about, um, you know, he and I have been told to work clean for the last decade or two, whatever, you know, uh, managers, agents, club, you should work clean. And we're like, yeah, but could you imagine? Yeah, you might make a little more money, maybe, but how miserable would it be? It's a quick rise to the middle. Right. Well, if, yeah. I mean, but then again, you look at Jim Gaffigan. He's clean and he's But you fantastic. know what I say? I don't know Jim Gaffigan, but I would tell you that's probably him. Yeah, it is. There's him. a yeah. realness yeah, yeah, yeah. to that guy. I bet. Like yeah. Brian Regan. I, yeah. I, I hear he's, you know, he's a funnier dude. Maybe he's a little edgier off stage, but that seems to be him. Yes. The guys who make it clean are tend to be clean people. Yeah, that's who they are. You're right. You're right. I didn't think about that. You know, not right. all, not all clean comics are assholes. But most of the asshole comics are the ones who work clean. And I only say that because they sell, it's this business decision that gets made. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then they fall in line and with then the, it's not them. that horse shit. And now you're miserable. You're suffering because you're making art that's not you. And it's painful. The problem with comedy clubs, man, is there's this slave mentality that comes along <laughs> with these comedy clubs where it's like, you got to sell it out. You got to do this. Yes. You got to do that. So unless you get to where you are now, where it's the Netflix is selling it out, there's this weird mentality where it's like, oh, why don't you sell it out? And you're like, well, you stand to make way more money than I'm making for this $1,500 week that you fucking are killing me on right now. Raping. I just count. I'm like, oh, money, 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 money. Oh, you pay for my show. You pay for my week the first night. Okay. Gotcha. Straight cash, homie. Yeah. The first night, the first fraction of the first night, the first 10 minutes of the first night, your salary. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I, I got no love for the club owners, man. You know, and they're like, oh, your agent's such a hard ass. I'm like, yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, he is. It's got to be like that. You guys took advantage for a while. I did a show. <laughs> oh, yes. I did a show uh, recently in Vegas where um, a club owner went because he knew the feature. Went, he sat down and uh, he watched the feature. They watched my act. And he, after the show, walked up the feature, thanked him and walked off. Didn't even say hi to me. Oh, boy. Didn't even say thanks for letting me come in your show. Isn't that nice? It's just that's cool. It's oh, I've been told by club owners that you don't have an act. You know, you're shit. You're dog shit. The guy before you had an act, and the guy before me had a grapefruit cut in half that he would fuck with a hanger. Oh and then, my god! And then all the juice would be on the stage. I, pr- I promise you. I promise you. Well, oh, yeah. see, here's what there's club. Here's what club owners do. They're like, "Oh, we need a new manager. Oh, you used to run a Chili's. That's great. Oh, you were in food and beverage. It's awesome. We're gonna have you run this entertainment thing. And oh, and by the way, you're gonna decide who's entertaining and yeah. who's not. The guy who decides if we need more fucking strawberry schnapps is gonna decide whether that's funny or not. The guy who thinks fucking NASCAR is the shit. Nothing against NASCAR. Toby Keith, Nickelback, and all this shit is the kill. Is is gonna judge what I'm doing on. Well, see, so there, so here's the madness, Sammy, is that that's the control part that you don't have in this business. Yeah. And in any artistic endeavor, you have no control over the rewards or the lack of rewards that you reap. All you can control is the content that you provide and to constantly do it. So it's like, that's the Zen of being a creative person is like, I'm just going to do what I do. I'm going to be me a hundred percent because 
I don't know if people are going to buy tickets to that next show. I don't know if Netflix is going to pick up the special. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. This can all go away and I'm out. It's not in my control. And if you think about the, the gatekeepers, I mean, that used to keep me up nights. Oh, like, God. So-and-so's the fucking... The shadow people. That person decides who gets the specials of comedy. I used to get so mad when I think about who decides who got to be on this late night show or, I or whatever. I did like, set oh. on Comedy Central. I've never even done life. one. They wouldn't put me... I've never been on the channel. I got a standing O. Oh. And they never had me back. What? To do... I did one blip thing for the military for two seconds... Never had me back. Isn't that amazing? A standing O. <laughs> when they told not to give a standing O, they're like, yes. What show is this? Is this live Premium Blend. Yes. Premium Blend. That Way was, back in the day. That was such a good one. That I, was, I never got one. I never I never got that. I never done late night. I've never done any of that. They never, no one, no one, never. Uh, you know what else never. I do, man? <laughs> I did this before. I'm so, and dude. Now you've won. You got a Netflix. Well, that's what I'm saying. So when I hit, but when I went to swing, I hit a home run. But that's what I'm saying. Like for years, I was no, no. You're too weird. You're too dark. You're too whatever. You're too this. You're not. No one knows you. And then it takes that one thing where someone's like, "Yeah, I get it. Come on in. Come on in. Come in and just be you, dude." I'm just because I think political correctness is dying. I think that people have seen the ridiculousness of it, the weaponizing of it. The thought that, you know, the, the thing about political correctness, it's assuming that all comedians are equal in talent. Wow. Interesting. And, and it never takes into like, there's some, there's some, some people are funnier than others. And this yeah. notion that you have one of everything is saying that everybody's the same. It's just like, and people are paying money. It's the application that does. It's like why MTV, nobody watches MTV and nobody, nobody watches anything because it's yeah. this application of like, we all get a chance. And there's some funny people like you. Who else Who else was I talking to the other day? You, Eleanor Kerrigan. She's fantastic. What is going uh, on? I love Eleanor. She's so goddamn funny. You know who else is funny? That Jessica Wellington. She's like the door girl at the store. She's funny as fuck, too. She's fucking great. Her and then Jessica Curson. She's an East Coaster, big fat lesbian. So fucking funny, dude. There are funny ass women I out know. there. And then sometimes you don't see them on TV. No. Paula Bell will fucking oh. flamethrow a room. She's right. And you're like, why isn't she on TV? Well, and I think there's a, but there's also a lot of other stuff that goes into it. People's yeah. personal decisions and their lifestyle. Yeah. Well, choices I know all and, about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know all about yeah, that. Yeah, you make some wrong turns. I, yeah, I, I've I've done fucking donuts in the fucking <laughs> middle of the intersection, just fucking, <laughs> just round and round and round and round and round. Uh, I uh, I just you know, man, I, I I I'm really in this very reflective phase right now in my life where it's just like you know I'm 45. I probably live most of my life based on personal decisions I've made in my life. And, you know, like I flunked first grade, man, you know, like (laughs) I flunked first grade. My parents were looking for a receipt to get store credit. You know what I'm saying? Like they were looking to fucking, what what? the fuck? How'd you fail first grade? We're both teachers. Oh, are they? Yeah. Why do we fuck this up? So nothing was expected of me. I literally, I was the kid that got blamed for everything. Like, you know, if a kid fucked up, they'd say crazy Sam did it. And I would be like, parents wouldn't talk like this. One parent wouldn't talk to me because I was beneath her kid. And then she got busted fucking everybody in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? So it's so interesting, dude, but that's traumatized me. You know, it's like, and then I went to college and like funny isn't sexy in high school. 
Right. In college, it, it gets It better. just completely changed. Like, I went to college, and it was every day. It was, like, on, like, Szechuan. And it was just, like, <laughs> and then I was the best at comedy. It was me and Joe Coy. And we didn't get along in LA, in Vegas. We just didn't get along. I was a knucklehead. He was a knucklehead. We had bump heads. But I, I made, I, I basically created the Las Vegas comedy scene. It was, there was one open mic. Ever, that Doug Stanhope had been before me, but he had taken off. So I literally went every night, and this is before the internet, went around every night, created a show, and what I would do is host the show, deal with all the crazy people, get everybody shut up, they bring my friends on, and they would do the show. And I did it every night, to the point I had my own improv troupe in like four different casinos, and I had my own show at the Hollywood uh, Boardwalk Casino, and I was opening up for like Dirty Acts at the Riviera. And that's kind of when I said, fuck it, I'm going to go. So then I moved to LA and I moved quickly. I had this bit called stripper in a wheelchair, right? Stripper in a wheelchair. I, I would get, I went right from open mics to like closing out bringer shows, but I didn't have to bring people. They would just, I'd be like the guy that they would go see do stripper in a wheelchair. Gene Simmons came and saw me one time. He goes, do you do that bit all the time? I go, yeah. He goes, you're going to burn in hell. And he's a <gasps> Jew and they don't wow. even believe in hell. Right. And he's like the wild he yeah. should be open-minded. Like, yeah. That's weird. So I get invited to Montreal Comedy Festival. I don't even know what the fuck that is. When I get invited there, I don't even know where I'm going. And for those of you listening, Montreal Comedy Festival for many years was the golden mountaintop. I mean, you got there and that's where deals were made and you got that and that made you something. Or so, nothing in my case. Well, so what happened? So, what, so your newer comic. So my showcase shows up. Yeah. And I tap into something I have now that I didn't I didn't have a control of then, which is this like super in the moment act of like saying what everybody's thinking, being in the moment, ripping on the crowd. I crush. They bring me and I'm I've never done I dude, I'm telling you, I've never done comedy clubs. I was a straight bar comic. I done a couple mm-hmm. showcases here. And like each level of comedy is like a different kind of comedy. Yes. Like when you do an open mic, you got to do like, oh, who likes to fuck dead babies? Because that's all the comics want to hear, right? <laughs> right, right? Right? And each yes, level, yes, yes. it gets different. Yeah, you got to hone it and tune it and refine it. And yeah. So I was just a street kid, a crazy ass street comic, <laughs> bar comic, like crazy bar comic. They had me go up against after Corey Holcomb. Oh my God. Who at that time... I think it was 20 years in. I don't know how old this <laughs> motherfucker is. Wait, what showcase? They didn't put you on New Faces? No, I did. I'm, I'm talking, I kill it in my New Faces. Oh, okay, okay. They bring me right to Montreal. Okay, okay. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know why I'm there. I don't even know what it is. I don't even, they're like, you're going to Montreal. What is it? Okay, oh, I'm going. So that's how new you were. You didn't even know that that was a big deal. I, I was in Vegas. It's like being <laughs> lost on an island. At that point, comedy, it's just like it had no roads to anywhere. You were just, you know, bands just start playing. Like it used to be where you go to die. Nobody wanted to play Vegas. Now everybody wants to be in Vegas. So I go there. I found I, I bomb. Yeah. I bomb. I and this is a funny story. I bomb in front of this lady named Ann Manning and she used to be a fox. I remember going, man, I bombed in front of her. and She's nice to me. She's like, it's OK, man. Don't worry about it. So for like a year. I'm consumed with getting in front of this lady to show her that I'm going to write the fucking wrongs. Right. I'm going to write the fucking wrongs. So like, I just, so I come back to, I come back from Montreal and I'm dead in the water. Nobody wants to touch me. Nobody. 
and there's only one person that is fucking kind to me, and that's Mitzi Shore. Oh. So Mitzi Shore picks me up. Just so you guys know, Mitzi Shore owns the comedy store. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I haven't seen her for like a year and a half. Polly Shore's mother. Polly Shore's mother. I went to his... 50th birthday party oh yeah i heard i saw that on instagram on uh, his girlfriend is <laughs> one of the mo- i've never seen such a symmetrical face in oh, my life I bet. well polly's always been good with yeah he's stuff. a good so so she picks she's the only one i'm dead in the water <laughs> I, I i'm 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 working the door and playing in the room and so it's like this weird thing nobody wants to touch me two years go by i'm fu- i'm getting bumped by joe rogan uh andrew dice clay and eddie griffin Every fucking night, they're fol- they doing hour and a half sets, <sighs> and I have to go up there and just fu- get blood from a stone, night in, night out, okay? So I'm just, I'm getting fucking just, I'm like, I'm sharpening, I'm sharpening, <laughs> I'm sharpening, dude. You know, it's that yes. OR, it's crazy, right? Yeah. So Maz Jabrani calls me, he goes, hey, man, I'm doing this showcase for Ann Manny. You want to fucking <gasps> do it? I'm like... What? Yeah. So this is a great story. (laughs) So I go there and I annihilate. Great. Good. And Manny comes up to me. She goes, dude, you crushed so hard. Have you ever been to the Montreal Comedy Festival? (laughs) I go, what? She goes, have you ever been to the Montreal Comedy Festival? You do great there. Stop. Stop yourself. Are you fucking kidding me? That's like, that is the truth. I tell that story all the time. But isn't that, but see, what's, what's, here's why that story is amazing. That was something you fixated on for an entire year. And then you finally got the redemption and she didn't even fucking care. She didn't even remember you. And see, that's what I'm talking to about the gatekeepers. They don't fucking give a shit. And that thing consumed you, but it actually made you a better comic. It sounds like you yeah. motivated you to do something great. Well, you, know, you know, I had a, I had a deal with Comedy Central last year. Me, Al Magical, and Josh Nasser. We sold a show. And, you know, I, I, I feel for those guys that run that stuff because they have so many masters. Like oh. before they even think about what's getting on television, I don't, I don't they, even. Uh, well, well, bloggers, it's it's no. it, it's what's it's, it's not good. If I get a TV deal or a pilot, I don't even. I consider it. It's not never going to happen. Like I don't even put a hope into it. I just do my best. And do you still want that? It. I feel like you're like so beyond <sighs> needing you're so that. Funny. Yeah, I do. I'd love. You know what I love is a sitcom or a, like a, not a sitcom, but a show, a television show that I could go and do and come home to my family. You know what I'm saying? Like not to have to go on the road. Yeah, this or just something like that where I could do something intrinsically cool and what anyways uh yeah i wasn't gonna fucking say to you but i think that's so fascinating so she didn't even remember you. she didn't remember me isn't like, that amazing and I, I i learned a lot you know through recovery about just like holding resentments and this very freeing thing is like nobody's thinking about you nobody's thinking about i see that all the time it, it's all in our heads and we're so consumed by that person did this and said that and they did that. and it's like they're but everyone's in their own 100 drama dude. all the time and they're not even and I, what i've learned is that if someone does something quote-unquote bad to you that you perceive first of all when you write down everybody that you think fucked you right you find the only common denominator and all that is you yeah you let it happen and you like man when you Uh. let shit go it's the most freeing thing ever and it's like my nature like i was raised by samuel tripoli this fucking this dude who like lived in like he he would he would think everybody's jealous of him that's all my dad would say (laughs) and he tried to do his best i I will never say my dad uh, we never needed anything he he worked as my work ethic comes from my father yeah 
my work ethic, and my sense of humor comes from my parents. They're the most paranoid motherfuckers I've ever met in my <laughs> life. And I, I remember going, oh, man, I'm becoming him. Like, and that was a big thing in recovery. It's like, oh, dude, I'm going to become my father if I think everybody's out to get me and everybody's thinking about me. And, and the reason I, I'm not succeeding is because of outside stuff. When it's in reality, it's like I'm pulling all the levers and I'm punching all the buttons and you know, I, I, and I am where I am. When you realize that nobody gives a fuck and if, yeah, there are assholes in the world. And this is why I've learned in life that most likely when somebody's treating you like shit, they're treating everybody like shit. Yeah. And it it's eventually, comes, so it's like a drive-by sh- shit on. Yeah. So it's nothing fucking personal and that the universe will sort that out. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, the universe will sort them out. But in the meantime, you know, I've worked with bad agents, bad managers for years. Story of my life. Right. But then you go, who's the common denominator? Me. Why did I let that person dick me around, not keep promises, whatever it is that that bad behavior was, and I let it go. I should have fucking fired their asses and moved on to the next one until I found the right one. I'm just not you know? even into the Hollywood mechanism anymore. Well, let's talk about your recovery. I, I didn't, I kind of just caught that. And <laughs> I, when did this happen? And, and tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Well, I had never had a good relationship with alcohol ever. Like I, I was, uh, you know, going back to, you know, growing up with a bunch of divorced kids, like we were very vicious to each other. And, I, you know, you would eat a lot of the bad, the, the, the anger. You'd eat it. You'd eat it inside. It would, it would sit inside you and you want to just go nuts. And then you get drunk and you just release it. I, I remember telling people I would apologize to people before because I was going to be like a, a bad, I knew I was going to be a, at some point a dr- bad drunk to them. That was just the fire. I'm Armenian and Italian, you know, like I go zero to felony very quickly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, I, it's like fire right off the bat. It's like, I always say, like, I'm not an actor. I'm Armenian. We have two emotions, horny and angry. That's it. <laughs> Those are our two fucking emotions. So um, I never had a, a, a good uh, relationship with it. I, I got to the comedy store. My career went to shit, and I started drinking my problems away. And I, I'm convinced that I am the reason they started charging comics for drinks at the comedy <laughs> store, because I was racking up such a high score. You and a few others, I'm sure. Right, right. But yeah. I was like... At some point, the comedy store, it was just, it was more about the, the booze, the cocaine, and the sex that was going on there in plenty. Like, it was crazy. And uh, I just got kind of lost in that. And I was getting bloated. And I was looking really like, I mean, I look like that kid at the end of like Stand By Me got hit by the car. Yeah. You remember when you saw him in the water? He's just, that's like, I was starting to look like that. And I had this gig and I got asked to work with Vince Vaughn. Uh, one time, and it's very interesting. I I, uh, I got went out there, and it was like it was right after nine eleven, and I got asked to do something for the troops, and it was a crazy fucking gig. It was uh, it, it was a uh, first come first serve at this bar, and the bar opened at noon, and the show was until eight, mm. and people were there the whole day. Oh dear! So I walk on stage, I start doing stand up, and. It's just a couple laughs here, and this girl's heckling me. And I just said something stupid to her about, why don't you shut up, go, go make out with your cousin or something <laughs> like that. Well, it turns out she's there with everybody. Oh, dear. And they fucking turn. 
And it's just like they start fucking, you know. But the, the truth is, before I went on stage, I was so nervous. I had like three Jaeger bombs because I, <laughs> I don't, I don't sip. Okay. Yeah. I well, drink. You, you got the gene, so you've got the alcohol. I drink gene. to win. Yeah. <laughs> I want to set the high score. You've got the the thing that that mechanism that doesn't say stop. No. We had Doctor Drewin on your mom's house, and he was explaining how that works. If you have the gene for alcoholism, you literally cannot stop drinking. There's no switch that goes. That feels. I'm buzzed. I'm enough. It just keeps coming. It's like trying to yeah. tell a schizophrenic to s- stop hearing voices. Right. It really is that. Right, right. You can't. It, it's a mental yeah, thing. Wow. You know, and it's the same thing with like when I got into cocaine, dude. It was just like, it was just like, I, I wanted to, I thought it was about having the coolest stories out there, the craziest fucking stories. I was trying to set a high score in a game nobody else was playing. Right. You know, and it's right. just like, it was, it's just, it, it is what it is. You know? and, and how long have you been in recovery? I've been, uh, I had five years and now I have like two, 200 days now. That's great. Because occasionally I'll smoke weed. And then, like I said, I do shrooms. I don't give a fuck. You know, I just, yeah, I love not, I, I don't drink. I don't do blow. I don't really, I don't like, I'm a fast guy. So that's really all it is. I just don't have the urge to drink anymore. And Coke is just a young man's drug. It's like... That'll age you in dog years. Oh, my God, dude. It's like going to a restaurant. Like, cocaine is like going to a restaurant and just eating and (laughs) eating and eating. And eventually, you got to pay that bill, man. And how much is that bill? Because that bill's coming. So you either pay it when it's a little and you get out, or you pay it when it's a lot much later on. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, I've never had a problem with it or, you know, but... But I imagine the toll that it takes on you emotionally and physically, it just sucks the life right out of you, dude. And then on top of that, you throw a sex addiction, which is a fucking <laughs> insane because I'm Armenian and we're all creepers, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, Armenians are the biggest fucking creepers out there. Yeah. And so it's like cocaine, girls love, I mean, you'd be amazed what you can fucking do on cocaine. Girls don't give a shit and it's just like, boom. And now it's like... They're tag team champions, you know, yeah. the drug, the drug addiction, the sex addiction. And it's just like, at one point I was in f- four different 12 step programs. God, that's wow. 48 steps. 40. That's, a lot, that's a lot of fucking steps. But that's to, so great, Sammy. Like, I'm so, I'm so happy for you that you found a way to, to contain this shit and to get your head. But that's, it sounds like maybe that's why you're in this age of like thinking about stuff and you're, you're really conscious. You're really, you're really starting to think clearly. I do love that. There's so much more to the world than anybody ever knows. There's so much knowledge out there and to be ignorant right now is really, it's kind of voluntary, isn't it? It's (laughs) like, well, uh, you know what it is, man? A lot of people are too busy and and it's, you know, it's just like they're running, paying bills, taking care of the kids, trying to get, it's like, you don't have time to sit there and like, that's the things you got to learn about. Like, the philosophers in life, you know, it's like they had this 30 for 30 on ESPN. It was like Bill Belichick and, um, what the fuck is his name? The other coach, uh, Vince Lombardi. No, no, no. I, 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 I saw a documentary on that guy. That was so depressing. I love listening to old men talk about <laughs> stories of back in the day. I can listen to that for <laughs> fucking ever. I just, and that's why I realized like, I got to start reading more biographies, man. Yeah. Cause I just love to hear about how people do. It. I love the process of everything. So I got, so I do this gig with Vince Vaughn. I bomb. I bomb in front of the entire cast of the uh, wedding crashers. Oh, uh, I, I'm so drunk, and all I can stare, see is 
Owen Wilson's giant fucking nose. And I'm just like, how does he work in this town with that fucking nose? Oh, he's in person. He's not attractive. I've seen him before, it's too. It's unbelievable. Now, his brother, Luke, I'd fuck the shit out of that. Yeah. That why not? Hot. Fuck yeah. I'm oh, sure that's been some weirdness between those adorable. two. Ugh. He's a good looking dude. So I bomb there and then I go, I'm sober for five years after that. And then I, I go. That was your bottom? Bombing, that was your bottom? Bombing from the wedding crashers. <laughs> to this day, if I hear sha na 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 na, I get fucking chills. So, you know, over time, I just started going down this journey of just realizing that, you know, that nobody gives a shit. Nobody's trying to hold me back. Everybody's just lost in their own thing. Some people, you know, we're mammals, man. You know, we run in packs, you know, and if you're in the in that pack that's kind of in, that's just natural. Sometimes you can't tell the difference between like an alt comic and the industry. They look like, that's just natural, man. Yeah. And it's, and it's okay. You know, industry people are just gamblers. That's all the yeah. gamblers. And, and they're they- executives too. So a lot of times they might be older and they're out of touch with what's happening in the streets. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, they're not even like, close to what's going on. Yeah. And that's a disconnect to this city, to the whole country. Oh, that too. Forget, forget about that. How L.A. is no, in no way relatable to the rest of the United States. And it's just like they that. wonder why nobody's watching anything. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, hey, man, you're just completely shitting on me the whole fucking time. Of the demonization of white guys. And I understand that there's been some evil white 100%. Yeah. But not all white guys are evil motherfuckers. And this No, town- but it's, you know, I think it's the pushback is because it's been so institutional. Like, white guys have controlled shit for so fucking long. It just, it's a corrective and it'll, it'll mellow out. I think the only car that matters is green. And if you could put anybody yes, in there yes. and they're going to do the exact same thing. Same so maybe shit. we're just going to have people in there so everyone gets their turn to be corrupt i, I can i can That's respect that well look we kind of yeah with obama i mean he was in there and people still fucking hate black people so that didn't work out yeah we had to get everybody in there. everyone gets their shot at being <laughs> an evil motherfucker that's how yeah. it is so yeah that's what and then like you know just i don't know man i i i have a work ethic and i i like i just have to come to grips that maybe it's never gonna be theater guy and that's fucking fine i i'm you know, born and bred at the comedy store, can't be there forever. And just, uh, I'm just kind of cool with where I am, man. I've been blessed to make good money this last couple years through the podcast and through producing live shows. And now I'm moving into like producing like music videos and shit like that for like high end people. That will be because that's what my girlfriend does. I'm going to run through my company and hopefully make some more money. I want to buy a place in Vegas and just like, for, I mean, you can get a five-bedroom house yeah. for nothing. You can. And here's the thing. I mean, podcasting didn't exist how many years ago. And now the, the it took time for the technology to exist for us to do this. So you don't know what's around the corner. You don't even know. And isn't that wonderful? And I, I, and I think you're going to do it in... I think it's fantastic, Sammy, and you don't know I'm a weirdo. I'm thinking about calling my special weirdo. I think that's a great. Where are you shooting it? Viper Room. You have tickets to give away or anything? I'm going to give them away. I'm handpicking 300 people. Two shows of 150. That's awesome. No, like, sensitivity. Just going to go in there, tee off, come up with the good shit. Viper Room's great. Just put it out. I love it. It's a little rock club. Yeah, old school Hollywood. A lot of people die back there. A lot of people (laughs) dying. Hopefully someone will OD right in the middle of the fucking show. Chaos. Chaos. So where can people find you, Sammy? So 
people who love listening to you. Did here. I hijack your fucking no, podcast? No, we I covered like it. I think we stuff. did everything. I come in here. I'm I'm am <laughs> such a fucking personality. I'm trying to listen more. No, you on did. My podcast. I thought you did fantastically. Oh, thank you. I want a gold star. Um, you can get me at Sam Tripoli at Sam Tripoli T R I P O L I on everything. Punch Drunk Sports Podcast, Tinfoil Hat with Sam Tripoli Podcast, uh, YouTube at Sam Tripoli. I've been doing that. There's a new po- new channel, new thing called DTube. Have you heard about that? No. Because they're demonetizing all this crazy shit on YouTube. Mm. So it's a new thing that you get paid in Bitcoin and they pay you for views. Oh, God. Don't, don't, Bitcoin's don't crazy, Bitcoin. right? I don't, want, I don't even want to know about it. Dude, like, I vaguely understand. I don't want to know. It's, it's a crazy thing. Fuck it. They don't even yeah. know who made it. And everybody's putting their money in it And it just goes up and down Everyone's like we don't know why it's doing that mm-hmm. And they just Some people think artificial intelligence made it How creepy is that That'll be cool The like, robots have finally taken over and we're in the matrix what That the blockchain the is, where, is the matrix Where all the AIs are going to go And they're going to be so smart we can't control we're them We're in it already dude we're in it already. We're in it like an 80s, like action flick, sci-fi bukkake of <laughs> just like everything's coming at us. It's like we got robots, AI, <laughs> Russians, uh, aliens, uh, like deep state. It's all going on at one time. I know. Uh, it's a great it's time to be alive. And on that note, check out Sam Tripoli. Listen to Tinfoil Hat. Uh, go see him do stand-up, you guys. I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Uh, uh, thank you so much for coming. I love you in. with all my uh, heart. Sam, you're my favorite I root, people. I root for you, you more do. than I root for anybody. And you have, and I always appreciate that. All right, buddy. I love you. Until next time. I love you time, too. Stay deep, You're bros. killing it. <laughs> now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with <laughs>